Welcome to another episode of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, your home for the latest news and analysis from the world of college hoops. Back again are your hosts, Josh Burton, Phil Dexter, and Peyton Burton. to another edition of the Everything College Basketball Podcast, episode 145. And as you heard Jim Nance just say in the intro, phenomenal, because this is our special NCAA Tournament Edition. Joining me today, we've got the four horsemen back together for this special edition. To my right, if you're watching on the YouTube or the Facebook live with us, we've got Mr. Peyton Burton. To my bottom left, you have Mr. Phil Dexter. And making his triumphant return to the bottom right corner, Mr. Corey Gardner. Fellas, it has been a long, long season, but we're here at the pinnacle. It is NCAA tournament time. Bo, hearing that music at the start of the show, that's like music to my damn ears. I've been listening to it for about the past like hour and a half now, just getting my son pumped up. I'm ready to lace my shoes up, put my jersey on, I'm ready to run out the tunnel. It's cutting next time season, baby. I'm ready to go. It's absolutely the most exciting. I was gonna say it's absolutely the most exciting time. I mean, I got a, I got my jump shot back last week when I took it to uh, Peyton. You're uh, we sat there and had <laughs> we had some fun, you know, getting prepared for March Madness, and it is here, and it is about that time to hear that magical song of one shining moment, baby. As our uh, good friend Dan Vasta likes to say, it's it's like Christmas for all of us, you know. Best time of the year. We're about to have the absolute best week of basketball you can have, you know, Thursday through Sunday. So super excited for that. And just uh, this is what we've been waiting for, man. You better hang on to them bloomers, boys, because the next three weeks are full speed ahead. Before we get anything else in the special edition of the podcast here, we got to let you guys know again that this podcast is presented in part with the House Enterprise and House of College Hoops. Head over to our site, house-enterprise.com, for more information. Also, huge shout-out to our title sponsor. They've been with us all season, Beauty to Beast Nutrition, located in downtown Edinburgh, Indiana. It is a healthy juice bar. You stop in, tell them ECB sent you, get 10% off of your entire purchase. Fellas, this is a big one. This is our biggest show we do every year. It gets the most downloads, the most eyeballs, everything. It is the best show we do all year. And with that being said, we do have some special guests that will be joining us just shortly as we get this thing rolling. We will be joined by the head coach of the Bellarmine Knights, Coach Scotty Davenport. Been on the show before. It will be great to have him back, pick his brain. Then right after that, we will be joined by the head coach of the Rice University Owls, Head Coach Scott Para. Plus many more. Our friend Trevor from Two Pointers Podcast was on with us last Thursday. This is a big show. I cannot wait. So without further ado... Let's start dissecting these brackets little by little here. And I we will start with the four one seeds. Let's start with the overall number one seed, which you can kind of, I mean, you can make an, a, a case for definitely, but I thought it should have been somebody else. But the overall number one seed in this year's NCAA tournament is the Alabama Crimson Tide. They are regular season SEC champs. They dominate and win the SEC tournament. Um, any gripes 
before we get to the other ones, any gripes about Alabama being the overall number one seed? Uh, I don't really have a gripe with them being the number one overall seed as much as I do where Kansas was put like region wise and who's with them. But like you said, we'll get to that in a second. But no, I think Bama, you know, with the way everything ended up playing out here at the end of the season, I think Bama was deserving. Corey? Sorry. I'm going to go on the opposite. I think, you know, Kansas sets the you know record for quad one wins, came out extremely hot. I know they didn't overall win the Big 12. Uh, you know, they had a little bit of uh, adversity to face with Coach Self being out with the sickness. But at the same time, I mean, I think they were the hottest team down the stretch. They really put it together, uh, closed out the Big 12 over a, overall uh, regular season championship. And, I mean, for, you know, their what, 30, 34 games or whatever, they, they proved to kind of be that team. So uh, a little bit shocked um, for definitely Alabama. But, I mean, Alabama also has shown that at times they are the best team in the country. So. Um, but I mean, I am a little bit shocked on it overall. Well, I mean, again, Alabama, if it was going to be somebody other than Kansas, it had to have been Alabama. So I'm not that upset with it. I can make a case because the committee has shown winning, doing the double, winning the regular season and winning the conference tournament has been a big piece of this. The other one seed, the number two overall one seed is Houston. Number three was Kansas. And then the fourth and final one seed was Purdue. The controversy begins with the Houston-Kansas in no way, shape, or form. And I know the head of the committee, you know, tried to explain this after the selection show on CBS last night. But in no way, shape, or form does it make sense. If we try to say that the net matters and Kansas sets the all-time wins in quad one victories, they go 17-7 and across quad one and quad two with the most all-time quad ones. In the toughest conference in basketball, that has to, at the very least, be the number two one seed overall. And not only mentioned, Phil, like kind of like you mentioned, not only they dropped it at three, but they got booted out of a more preferred bracket, which would have put them in the Midwest playing their regional in front of their backyard hometown fans in Kansas City. I think Kansas, and once we break down this bracket, I think you guys are going to understand is why. Kansas got screwed in this badly, Peyton. Yeah, I don't, I don't understand it. Um, most quad one wins uh, in the country was 17 and the toughest conference in college basketball. We won that game. Uh, we won the outright title for the Big 12 this year. And then we had the number one strength of schedule um, in the country. And somehow Houston was ahead of us as a number two overall seed. And it's not just the fact that they were number two overall seeds. the fact that we just got shipped out west and we just got in the toughest region possible. I mean, Gonzaga's in our region. They're playing hot. UConn's one of the most talented teams in the region or in the, just the bracket in general, and they're all four seed. Um, the UCLA, even though they're banged up right now, they're all two seed. It's it's ridiculous. I guess that's the price you pay for being the defending champs. And I don't know if this is punishment with all the infractions going on with Kansas and Bill Self and stuff like that. But fun fact, though, this since Florida in 07, no team or no defending champ has got past the Sweet 16 since Florida. So I guess it's all punishment then. They just want to keep that record again. It's stupid, though. Yeah, I'm not good on Kansas. I still, I don't care the metrics. Kansas should have been the number two, if not the number one overall seed. But let's go to some bubble talk real quick. Phil, I know you mentioned it last night on your bracket show on Twitter Spaces. By the way, I need to congratulate you. The last couple of weeks have been phenomenal. The bracket show last night, 
Mwah, chef's kiss. That was beautiful. Uh, bracket, the last four teams in the NCAA tournament were Arizona State, Nevada, Mississippi State, and Pittsburgh. I know there was a lot of controversy and talk around the fact that Nevada made it in and a team like Rutgers or Oklahoma State did not make it in, fellas. What do we make of the last four teams to make this field of 68? Yeah, I mean, obviously Rutgers was the huge surprise. They were on like 90% or something like that of the bracket matrix entries, and uh, Nevada was only on like, I want to say, 20%, something like that. So definitely a surprise to see Rutgers left out. Um, I think it just shows us that, you know, they don't necessarily give preference to a power six team in that case. And they're really, you know, you have to have some quality wins and then the bad losses will really, really hurt you. Yeah. I thought, I thought Rutgers should have been there. And you looked at, I know they lost to Temple. I know the non-conference wasn't the greatest. They lost to Temple, lost to Miami, which isn't a bad loss. They went at Miami, lost to Ohio State, at Ohio State, got beat by Seton Hall, got beat by Iowa. Um, well, that's the conference, but the, the win against Purdue at Purdue is way better than any win Nevada's had all season long. Like Nevada's best win was what? Maybe San Diego say at home, uh, January 31st. Like that's probably their best win. And, and Nevada fact- and Nevada lost three in a row to end the year. Like, and look at Nevada's early. I mean, they lost to Kansas State in a neutral site game overtime. Kansas State's really good. They lost to Loyola Marymount at Loyola Marymount. They lost at Oregon. Oregon has not been good this year at all. So their losses are probably maybe even worse than Rutgers, and Rutgers has the better win by far. So I thought Rutgers should have been in. It's crazy, though. Corey? No, I, there's nothing I can say besides that you guys have already said it. Just be repeat that. You know, a team that's a what a net thirty-six team is somehow out when a net seventy, you know, seventy-eight or whatever gets in. Uh, Rutgers, you know, continued to play extremely well, beating Indiana. You know, a four seed in the bracket, a number one seed at Purdue. Uh, continued to have quality wins, and it's like you know, I mean, when they lost to Ohio State, was, you know, Ohio State also showed that they can compete in the Big Ten as well down the stretch. So, you know, how bad is that overall loss? But. Overall, um, you know, I think that's the uh, the biggest shock that, you know, everybody kind of was upset about and they had every right to be upset with it as well. Yeah, I, I think if I'm feeling like or if I'm a Oklahoma State Rutgers team like that, I, I'm highly upset. But if you're Nevada, boy, I don't know if you got to see the the when they had their gathering to watch the tournament show. They did not care at all, nor should they. They're in the tournament. They've got a chance. It's not their fault. So they're going dancing. But uh While we wait on Coach Davenport to join us here in a few minutes, let's go ahead and start looking at some of these regions. Looking at the South, we'll go to the South first here. It's where the number one overall seed lies in Alabama. They will be playing their first and second round games in their backyard in Birmingham, Alabama. Fellas, you look at the South right now. There are some very potentially interesting matchups throughout this bracket. I want to hear your guys' initial thoughts on some of these matchups some sleeper teams and players to watch out for. Peyton, you're on mute. I got you right here. Oh, I don't know how the hell I'm muting myself. Excuse me for that. But the most exciting game I'm looking forward to in the round of 64 in this region is that 6-11 and 11, uh, game between Creighton and NC State. Not sure if how NC State got comfortably in, um, especially since they went 0-3 against Clemson this year, and Clemson was actually on the bubble this season, but that's no here nor there. NC State has a top five back. Hey, you mentioned it before. The Louisville loss killed them. 
Oh yeah, it was a quad ten loss. <laughs> that, that, that knocked him out. That, that definitely knocked not, that hundred percent knocked him out. <laughs> um, <laughs> NC State got one of the best backwards in the country. I think top five in Jarko Jordan, Casey Marcel, and Craven Smith. Uh, Creighton has a great, great starting five. Bench plays kind of meh. Um, I'm really looking forward mm-hmm. to that one though. I think that's going to be an intense, high scoring mm-hmm. game. Yeah, I really like the uh, Utah State Missouri game. I think that game is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of points scored. Utah State can just shoot the ball with uh, Taylor Funk. And uh, gosh, the other kid's name is slipping my mind right now. Uh, Steven Ashworth. Yep, Steven Ashworth, exactly. Um, and then obviously Missouri has Demoy Hodge and Kobe Brown. So that one should be a really fun one. And I think either way, th- the winner in that one is at high up in the 80s. Yeah, I can't wait to break that one down. Corey, uh, a storyline game or two in the first round there in the South that maybe is piquing your interest. I think Corey had to step away for a second. Okay, yeah, I think Corey. Um, but, Phil, we'll go back to that Missouri-Utah State because <laughs> that one, as a 7-10 matchup, you talk about explosivity. Missouri is a team that if you don't see them, if you're not in the SEC and you have not seen them and had multiple days to prepare for them, and I know Utah State's got a couple days here, but they press you off misses and makes. They switch up their defense and they run and shoot. They will put five guys around the perimeter if they have to to open up the lane. They shoot the basketball at a high rate, hit a bunch of threes, and then they have an SEC all-player, all-first-team uh, guy in Kobe Brown. And you mentioned a guy like Demoy Hodge that just gets hot. He hits some incredible shots in their little run there in the SEC tournament. And you also mentioned Utah State. They shoot the three-ball at an incredible clip. I put it out on our Twitter earlier today, kind of joking, but also serious as well. This game might be the first 185 to win this game. And here's the thing about it. You look at this region. The winner of this will play the winner of two-seed Arizona against 15 Princeton. Let's assume that the higher seed in Arizona gets by here. Whether it's Missouri or Utah State, I think either one of those two pushes Arizona to their absolute max and exposes some weakness with Arizona's bigs having to come out and guard the three-point line. That, I think that right there, that little mini section of this bracket has upset potential written all over it. Um, Peyton, we'll go back to the Creighton-North Carolina State game as well. Phil, North Carolina State's right in your backyard. I know Carolina State has a great backcourt, but Creighton, is their starting five is super talented. How do you think Carolina State will manage dealing with that starting five of Creighton? Yeah, I think it's going to be tough for them. First of all, you know, North Carolina State's not the biggest team overall. You know, they play kind of a three-guard look. And honestly, in their front court, they're kind of smaller as well. DJ Burns obviously is a a big boy, but not necessarily uh, length-wise or height-wise. Um, so I think that uh, that could be a disadvantage for them. But I also we haven't really seen Jarkel Joyner and Terquavion Smith get going at the same time this year. As soon as Jarkel kind of picked it up at the end of ACC play, that was right when Terquavion really had like a five-game stretch where he struggled. So if those two are able to get it going at once, I mean, that backcourt's as electric as any, but I'm just still not sure that they have an answer for Kalkbrenner inside. And honestly, DJ Burns, as good as he is, I think guys who are longer tend to give him a little bit of problems. So I think Kalkbrenner might be able to uh, – frustrate him a little bit do you think north carolina state obviously wants to push the action but creighton's shown with ryan nimhard that they can run and want to run um do you think it's just as simple as carolina state be able to push the pace and try to get some easy transition so 
you know, Creighton can't get their half-court defense set up? Or do you think there's another game plan? Do you think maybe in this game Kevin Keats throws out some type of zone that Creighton maybe wasn't expecting? Um, The only reason I say I don't think they go to a zone is because they tried to do that against Clemson, and it looked really, really bad. Um, it looked like something that they hadn't worked on a whole lot. So unless they've spent the last week really fine-tuning that, I, th- I don't think that's an option for him. I just really think that they have to have a hot shooting night. Like I, I mentioned Turquavion and uh, Jarkel Joyner, but if Casey Marcel can't knock down some threes in this game, I just don't really see a path for them. They don't have a ton of depth. So it's really, you know, it's those three, it's DJ Burns. Um, Jack Clark has kind of emerged as uh, maybe a borderline starting level player here at the end of the year, but I still don't think he's a guy you can necessarily rely on. So I think for NC state, it comes down to shooting. If Turquavion has one of those nights where he can put up seven threes, and Jarkel can take care of the ball, then uh, NC State has a chance. But if not, I really think Creighton just kind of chokes the life out of him. I completely agree. And we will come back to the South region. However, joining us on the special tournament edition is our friend. He was with us on the podcast earlier in the year. We were at gracious, or we were able to go see his team in action back in December. Joining us on the tournament edition of the podcast today is the head coach of the Bellarmine Knights, head coach Scotty Davenport. Coach, how are we doing today, my friend? Busy, busy. It's a great busy. It Player is. Player meetings, the- recruiting. Uh, it's been a day. It's been Coach, a day. As I'm saying, I think uh, Peyton and Phil have some eligibility if you uh, if you need some shooters. They're a little undersized, but I think they, uh, they can stroke a little bit. Watch what they ask for. Um, coach while we have you here obviously you've kind of mentioned it it is the best time of year for I mean it's the best right just watching selection Sunday last night seeing where everybody's at it's the best so I do want to start off and ask you this we talked to you last time you had just came off playing Kentucky a few weeks prior to that we know the storyline surrounding coach Calipari Kentucky they're a six seed they're playing Providence or storylines within storylines in this. But I don't know if there is a head coach that has more pressure from the media and his own fan base to get a win more so than Coach Calipari to win this first game against Providence on Friday night. So if you could maybe help us understand maybe some of what he's going through leading up to Friday night's game against Providence. Well, the approach, and, and he's a Hall of Fame coach, the approach is that pressure is a great thing. You know, pressure means you care. Now, stress is horrible. Stress can devastate anyone. Now, they got beat Friday. They don't play to this coming Friday. I have them in my, just in my view, I think it'll be Kentucky. Very well could be Purdue or Duke playing to go to the Final Four. I think Kentucky has an opportunity to get healthy. In these conference tournaments, like in Kentucky's case, they're going to have an entire week. Sometimes the teams that play Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and follow around and play on the following Thursday, sometimes even on a Tuesday or Wednesday in the first four, um, it's a drain on those teams. I think this will be a positive for Kentucky. And if they get health, and it sounds simple, but it's not. Because it'd be easy to say, well, if they make shots. And I'm going to be a little bit of a coach here. 
I don't think it's just making shots. Yes, anybody can miss a good shot. But at that level, the shooters are so good, it usually boils down to shot selection. Nobody makes bad shots. <laughs> I mean, the best of shooters don't make. You know, the NBA makes between 18 and 21% of challenge shots. They're the greatest players in the world. So, you know, I think Kentucky, we've seen they do have a run in them. The Providence game, I think if you're Kentucky, you like their draw. Uh, Kansas State, Montana State, then they advance on if Marquette is able to, Marquette, Michigan State, USC advance. I think Kentucky will be playing in the Elite Eight. That's my, my total opinion. I, I think there's a pathway there. Uh, Phil, you got something for Coach here? Yeah, Coach, you got a chance to coach against a few different teams here in the tournament, UCLA, Duke, Kentucky, Kennesaw State as well, obviously. Is there maybe a player, you know, that you noticed in your scouting of those teams that maybe is going a little bit under the radar that the rest of the country may not know about that uh, could make a huge impact here in the tournament? It was interesting when the draw came out. So we played at UCLA, or excuse me, at Duke, at UCLA, and at Kentucky in nine days. Now, I will put that up against anybody playing all three of them in nine days, much less three road games. Yeah, absolutely. That's as tough a stretch <laughs> as anybody played this year. I mean, you know, without a doubt. And I think Duke's youth has paid off. I think they have improved drastically. When we played them, the way we assessed them, Duke was very talented, but they were uh, very finesse. Kentucky was in the middle, and at that time, UCLA was much, much the most physically imposing of those three teams. I mean, they were physically imposing. Now, they've lost two two key components, and and that's really, really a concern with UCLA because, in my opinion, prior to the injuries, you know, they had a shoulder and an Achilles. They were the best team in the country. In my opinion, they were the best team in the country. Now, by sliding Kansas – or Houston, or, or UCLA, or, you know, anyone. I, Alabama, they were the best. I think they were legitimately the best team in the country. Now, they've suffered two very, very, very difficult, significant injuries. Kentucky, conversely, could be getting healthy at the right time. I've been a Purdue fan all, the entire time. Alabama, a one seed. In this day and age, the pressures that will come, I don't know if they can survive that. I just, I think that's asking a lot. The pressures are going to be immense. Interesting. Is that because of the youth or the stuff surrounding the program right now? All the things that have happened. I think in my experience, um, there's such a fine line. You you have to have everything go right. And I I think that will be very, very difficult. Now, I love Purdue. And it's easy to say again, well, if their guards hit shots, keep in mind one thing. If you say if for Purdue, then you have to say if for the next team. Then you got to say if for the next team. You'll have a virtual 68-team champion. Because if you say <laughs> if for everybody, they're all going to win. That's true. So you say, well, what will dictate? Usually, and history tells us in this tournament, it's going to be a moment. It's going to be, and usually it's a tournament of moments. It could be a block charge. It could be a, a, a buzzer beater. 
It could be a, a turned ankle. It, it's a moment. And if you can capitalize and embrace those moments, and you have talent. You've got to have talent. And, and in my opinion, you have to have experience. And again, I think that works against Alabama. I think a mixture of, of experience and talent. And that sounds easy, but to win the tournament. That being said, in my little theoretical, no, uh, no gambling, no, just fill out a piece of paper. In the South, I have San Diego State and Creighton playing to go to the Final Four. That would be that would be wild. I mean, that's wild in a good way, though, because you know both teams have shown they're very capable. Uh, Coach, I know we only got a few more minutes with you, Peyton. I'll let you get to your question because I I've heard it and it's interesting. So hit him with it. Yeah, Phil mentioned one of the teams that you faced off against this year, and actually this is a team you're very familiar with because they're in your own conference, and that's Kennesaw State. Kennesaw State under Amir Adu Rahim. In 2020, his first year there, they were 1-28. in And now, fast forward to now in 2023, they won the league, they won the league title, they're a 14-seed in the Midwest playing three-seed Xavier. Thoughts on the turnaround and how good is Chris Youngblood, Chris Youngblood has been this season? Well, when we came into the league is when Amir and Kennesaw went 1-20, and and he's done an unbelievable job. And if you step back and, and go to 30,000 feet and look down, in year one, he, had, he, he recruited local players. He took players from the area, and he won one game, and he let them play. The next year, he played the same guys, and he won, I think, 10 games. And then this year, he wins the A-Sun, and he wins the – you know, he beats – he, he wins the home court, beats Liberty, an incredible Liberty team in the championship to win the, the bid. But what, what is amazing is they are incredibly experienced. They've been through the wars and the tough times, and they've stayed together. Now, he's done a tremendous job, an absolutely tremendous job. He was at Georgia Tech as an ops guy. He was at, at Georgia. He knows the area. He's revered in the area. And I'll give him credit. His patience and his willingness to stick to a plan is why he was a runaway coach of the year in our league. And I want you to keep in mind, in our three years in this league, this is the best by far. Two preseason picks, Jacksonville State and Jacksonville University, did not make the conference tournament. Ten out of 14 made it. I would put the improvement in our league against any league in the country from last year to this year. Hands down, any league, it's incredible. But, you know, Xavier's very, very good. Sean Miller's tested. They're they're very, very good. And they are a veteran team with Nunji, with Adam Kunkel. They are are a veteran. Uh, They have been through that Big East. That's just a war every night. Uh, That, in my opinion, that's going to be one whale of a basketball game. Absolutely, Coach, and we appreciate your time. Before we let you get out of here, just real quick, with your trained eye, who do you think ends up being national champion this year? I love UCLA or Gonzaga, but UCLA's injuries. I think at the end of the day, and it's a funny year, because of their league was so much better, it made them better. I think Gonzaga wins it. There you have it. Coach Few gets his first one, according to Coach Davenport. 
Coach, we appreciate your time. We can't wait to bring you back on. Get to come back down to Louisville, to Bellarmine, to hang out, see the program again. We wish you the best, and thank you for hopping on for our special tournament show. We do. I do thank you. I thank you, CLA and Gonzaga. Gosh, I wish you CLA. <laughs> <laughs> Nick and I coached together. We're very close. I was texting with him all day today. If UCLA was healthy, they yeah. would, they would have won it. I completely really agree. Thank completely. you, guys. Everybody Thank enjoy. you, Coach. Thank, Thank you, Coach. You. Thank you, man. God, what a guy. Now we got another special guest joining us. He is the head coach of the Rice Owls. Welcome to the Tournament Edition show, Head Coach Scott Parrott. Coach, how are we doing today? Uh, I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. Hey, I you popped in early. I, I apologize. You had to wait a little bit. Coach Davenport loves telling stories, though. I, I, I was loving it. I could listen all day. Yeah, uh, he, he's great, man. But uh, we appreciate you hopping on, and let's get right to it. Uh, by the way, congratulations. Um, you know, a good run. You got a win in your conference tournament. I seen last night you're in the CBI. Uh, you'll be playing Duquesne coming up, so congratulations on that. But let's get into the NCAA tournament, and let's start with a team that you have familiarity with. You tuck them down to the wire. It was an overtime game. They ultimately end up losing. But Texas comes in as one of the hottest teams in the country, winning the Big 12 Conference Tournament Championship. You played them close. You're familiar with them. Tell us what we need to know about Texas. And is this sustainable, what Rodney Terry's doing, to win six games in a row here to become national champions? Well, let me start, you know, work backwards here. So, yes, I think it is sustainable. Um for, for one, he, he did a heck of a job of steadying the ship, of, of getting the, 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 the controversy and all the, the adver- adversity that was going on there, kind of with an older group that handled it, from what I understand, very, very maturely. And now they are playing great basketball. They are a talented group now. I mean, uh, you know, thinking back to when we played them in December, we knew how talented they were, um, scared us on so many levels. Uh, I thought our kids played our best game that we've played all year uh, and, and had to, to, to give them that, that kind of scare. We missed a shot at the buzzer that would have won the game um, and then ran out of gas in overtime. But they just have tremendous players. And I've, I have tremendous respect for Rodney and what he has done. And I, I truly believe uh, they can make a run. Peyton? Coach, I want to ask you about Florida Atlantic. Right now, they're a nine seed playing Memphis as an eight seed. Do you think you played them twice this year? Do you think they're actually a nine seed, or do you think they should have been higher than that? Extremely disappointed in yeah. that seed. I, I thought a seven, maybe even a six, but a six or seven would have been what they deserved and would have been more appropriate. I I did not agree with that at all. Oh, staying on Florida Atlantic real quick. What about Dusty May? You, I mean, obviously they've had a tremendous year, and his name is now being popped into other high, higher profile jobs. What is it about Coach May that makes him so good? Because let's be honest, the Florida Atlantic job was not maybe the most attractive, and the fact that they are where they've become right now. Um, what about Coach May makes him so good right now? Yeah. So you know, fortunately, you know, I've known him for twenty years. Uh, Dusty and I are, are pretty good friends. Uh, we've been for a long time. It's a great story going back to our days in Southern California when he was at USC and I was a high school coach. So, you know, we've kind of followed each other, cheered for each other. And then we both became head coaches and uh, both excited for each other, which is just really, really cool. And then to see him doing what he's done down there, first of all, I'm not surprised. Uh, you say why? 
because of the level of detail that he that he has, the knowledge of the game that he has, and also his personality and his ability to connect with players. We know how important that is, and he's just really good at that, and that helps in recruiting. It also helps in retaining, and it helps in coaching them. Phil? Yeah, you know, you kind of just touched on your past coaching in uh, Southern California a little bit. I know you coached James Harden in high school. Can you just tell us a little bit about what seeing James at that level of his career was like? You know, I don't get through many podcast interviews without a James Harden question. <laughs> I thought today we might get through and talk about the NCAA tournament. I'm, he's my favorite subject uh, to talk about. You know, it, it's interesting, and I've, I've, I've told many stories about James and told many people, because I've done interviews all over the, the world with every news outlet there's probably been. As a high school kid, he, he is a freshman, like he was a good player, but nobody, and if they told you they knew they were lying, <laughs> knew that this is how this would turn out. But it evolved. I mean, you know, he evolved as he grew and his body changed. He had this incredible work ethic, then the talent. And, but he could always shoot and he had a good, always had a good IQ. But once he became more athletic and grew, you started to see the special qualities in him. But even up until being drafted third, you know, I still at that point had no idea he'd be an NBA superstar, an all-time great, a Hall of Famer, and a guy who changed the rules of the game. I didn't see that coming. I don't think anybody did. I'm glad you mentioned the change in the rules because he quite literally did. But we will uh, we will get back to the James okay. Harden talk for the next time you come back on. I, I do want to talk – let's talk a couple more teams that are kind of in that like mid-major level that you could – I would think understand. And I'm looking back at the South. Before Coach Davenport and yourself came on, we were starting to break down the South region a little bit. And there's a couple like sexy upset potential picks here in this region – that I want to ask you about and that being 13 seated Furman they're playing Virginia and then 12 seated Charleston who is playing San Diego State yeah. what do you, I guess basically on both of those teams in their particular matchups what would be the likelihood that you think that could be the upset for both of them because I think both very well could be yeah first of all I can see why you think that and and the Furman Virginia one is very interesting to me because it's such a contrast in styles they, they, they're just that. Then that that makes the game cool, uh, fun to watch. What way, you know? Can Can Furman, you know, push the pace, score, get enough shots off that they want that are good looks? Can Virginia does Virginia's defense control it? And you know, do they get an early lead and they're able to control the pace, or they because Virginia's not good chasing from behind. And so, you know, that's a very interesting one. Can it happen? Yes, it's the NCAA tournament, and it can happen. Um, do I think it will happen? I think Virginia will win the game, but I think I could absolutely see Furman winning. Same thing in San Diego State. You know, my, my time out west, I got to know a lot of these kids and programs, and I have some knowledge of, of the San Diego State program. I know Coach Dutcher. They're tough. Um, they, they are a really talented team. The College of Charleston is a 5-12 classic, um, maybe coin flip game on that one. Um, but again, I'm, I'm going to go with the chalk and say San Diego State gets that one done too. And I'll be anxious to see if, if what I say here uh, comes to fruition or the upsets happen. Um, Coach, while we got the last few minutes here with you, we, we talked, we opened the show, we discussed the one seeds. And we've heard since the Nets' inception how important quad one wins are and quad two and the net matters. But then when it comes to the case of Kansas, they have the most quad one wins. Since the Nets' inception, they go 17-7 and seven between quad one, quad two, 
the most quad one wins of all time in one season. But yet they are a three over the third overall one seed. When you, somebody that's actually in the in the confines of the net rankings, when you see that and they try to tell you that the net matters, but then when it comes to Kansas and the quad one wins and it kind of doesn't matter, what are what's your opinions on this? Because I feel like at the very least, Kansas should have been the second one seed, if not the overall number one. First of all, I, you're right. I, I think Kansas should have been the second overall or, or and arguably number one. I could see it in either one. As for the net, I, I don't I, I don't know that I fully am smart enough to understand it because at one point Ohio State was net was better than all these other schools and when they were like 14 and 18, right? I mean, I, I, I don't know how when, when your record's that bad. And that, I'm not dissing Ohio State. I'm just using it as an example. No, we, we've um, been questioning it all year. Yeah, <laughs> we've tried to figure it out too. I, we study I, this as well. I, I look. I stopped trying. To, I stopped trying to figure it out. I know, you know that that we beat North Texas, and that, they were a top forty or fifty win at the time. So that was a good, you know, good for our program, and and you know, just a good PR thing. But other than that, I, you know, the net's hard to figure out. It doesn't make sense to me. That's another example of what you brought out. Um, but they look, they're trying to find some metric, some way to to quantify and judge these teams that aren't playing each other and aren't in the same conferences. And it's 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 look, there's no perfect way to do this. I it just there isn't. And I don't think no matter what we come up with or what we do, there's always gonna be these shows where we talk about and say why one team didn't get ranked higher than another. That and but that's what makes it fun, right? I mean absolutely if if we all thought all of them would be ranked perfect, then then there's some system out there that I don't know exists. I completely agree. I just the net, I, I like it, but then when you don't reward the team that has the most and arguably the toughest conference, it, it it's confusing. But we got a couple more for you, and then we'll let you go. We do appreciate your time. No problem. Uh, I'll, I'll ask you the big one here, like we kind of did with Coach Davenport. When you look at your trained eye and you look at these brackets, obviously chaos is probably going to ensue somewhere. But when you look at this, who is your final four, and ultimately who do you think cuts the nets down in April? You know, it, it, it's really – some of these are, are really interesting, like like the one region with Houston and Texas in it. Um, yeah. I, I, You know, we, we play Houston almost every year. We didn't this year. We will next year. I know their team. I've become good friends with Coach Sampson. Obviously, we've, we've played Texas. I know Rodney very well as well. I have them playing each other to go to the Final Four. Um I'm going to I'm going to just go with my heart here because it, uh, not that I like one team more than the other, but because it's in Houston, I'm going to pick Houston to come out of that region um, for the great storyline and for Jim Nance to have his day. Um, I, I will pick Gonzaga over Kansas in that region, Arizona Sorry, over Alabama and Duke over Marquette. So Arizona, Duke, Houston, Gonzaga, Houston, Arizona in the final and the Cougars cut down the nets. What a story that would be. What a way to send Jim Nance out and maybe he gives somebody. <laughs> I wonder who he gives the tie to, if you know about that story. <laughs> uh, who, I, look, I'm, you know, it's kind of cool that it's in our city. It's yeah. going to be fun for us. We're one of the hosts. I got, you know, I'm always busy in Final Four time, but this year everybody's kind of looking to me, you know, where are we going? What are we doing? Where are the, you know, where are the dinner spots? So I'm going to, you know, have, have a nice Final Four party for a lot of my friends and, and actually at Harden's Restaurant, ironically. So there you go. There's another tie-in. Um, and to, because one of my ex-players is the general manager of that. So it's, it's going to be a fun time. There you go. And then the final question, I know, Phil, he's going to hit you with a hard one here, so I hope you're ready. Okay. Phil, 
Yeah, we saved the hardest hitting question here for last, Coach. I uh, I work with a couple guys who have watched a lot of Rice basketball this year and have become uh, fans of you guys. And you. Uh, they they want to know what makes the Rice Owl the superior owl in all of college <laughs> basketball. <laughs> hey, there, there's actually there's a there's a bunch of them, right? Next year in our league alone, there'll be three: Temple, Florida Atlantic, and us. Ooh, yeah, I knew you guys were with Fort Atlantic this year, but I forgot about yeah joining with Temple next year as well. How, how crazy is that? So, <laughs> what, look, I have no idea. Max Fiedler's passing. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Coach, with that, we appreciate your time. Uh, again, good luck in the CBI. You've got Duquesne. That is a uh, Sunday, I think, right? Sunday is at that, one. Yeah, big challenge. They're very good. Yeah, they are. Um, Best of luck with that. Thank you so much for coming on the special tournament edition. And we look forward to staying in touch with you again here soon. I had a great time, guys. Enjoy the tournament meeting for me. You got my number. Hit me up anytime. Absolutely. Thank you, so Thank much, you Coach. We appreciate it. Damn, that was a hell of a lot of fun. Oh, 100%. yeah, man. Having having Coach Davenport and then Coach Parra, and that's our first time ever, uh, you know, speaking to Coach Parra on the show. But wonderful interview man can't wait to hopefully talk to him again in uh in the off season and be able to get a little bit more in depth about the rice program what they got going on because they do have the the slow burn to success going on here been in the cbi the past couple of years so i i think i think he's building something there i absolutely i absolutely do too and full disclosure um we've talked off air he has agreed to come back on for one of our summer shows do a full you know sit down kind of interview so that'll be a lot of fun but Got to give a lot of love to Coach Davenport, Coach Para. That was a lot of fun. But let's get back to some tournament actions. Head back to the South. Um, we were when we left off. We were kind of discussing some potential fun matchups and some upsets and all that. We touched on it with Coach Para a little bit, guys. I like Furman to take down Virginia, and I'm going to lay. I'll explain my reasoning why, but I want to hear it from you. Do you guys think that Furman takes down Virginia in that first matchup? I do. And now that like everybody that I'm talking to is picking it, it's making me really fucking nervous <laughs> to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> but uh, I just think that like that's that matchup, particularly for Furman isn't terrible. You know, Virginia doesn't have a ton of size that they're going to be able to take advantage of against Furman. Furman can shoot the hell out of the ball. So I, I personally like the matchup for Furman. And I know our uh, our next guest joining us here does as well. Yeah, let's introduce to the show. He was with us last Thursday, becoming very good friends with him on the as far as the show and off air goes, Mr. Trevor Everett of the Two Pointers podcast. And Peyton, that is E V E R E T T E. I, I so got it. I, spell listen, it. I got it the first time, baby. <laughs> I, I got it. I'm just dis I'm just disappointed that NC State was in Houston's eight seed or whatever. They can get know. that he, second round matchup. I'm he disappointed. Got us fired in that. up for Thursday, didn't I? I was ready for it. I was ready for the DM, man. Trev, I think you're muted or your sound's not up or something. Oh, sorry. Yeah, it'd be nice if I actually turned on the microphone. Uh, what's up, guys? I uh, Yeah, no, I had the full monologue uh, prepared for the Houston uh, 8-1 for us if Marcus Sasser was hurt especially. And I heard South Region. I got the back signal and I'm here. So um, you got me for 15 minutes. What's going on? Uh, I know you said you were jumping in the South and I heard the Furman segue and Phil knows plenty about that. Um, Man, yeah, I, I have the Furman uh, Paladins making the Sweet 16 in that part of the bracket. Um, I have the, I think, the offensive potential of 
uh, your Bothwells and Slauson and just the fact that they'll be able to stylistically be a lot different stylistically be a lot different than Virginia. And I think they can out, uh, I think they can outplay them. I, I do. And we just, before you hopped on, we were talking to coach Para from rice and he was kind of breaking it down as far as uh, contrasting styles. And that's exactly why I have Furman beating Virginia. We, we've seen Virginia through a course of a 30 plus game season. And they're not the same Virginia that we're accustomed to. They're still good defensively, but they're not elite. Um, and especially without Vanderplas, I just think there's something special about this Furman team. You've mentioned Slauson and Bothwell and even Pegues. I thought he had a really good SoCon tournament. So I like this upset of Furman. And I did, when we did Phil's show last night, I had Furman Sweet 16. And I backtracked and went San Diego State beat him in the second round. But uh, now that you're here, we kind of touched on it before both coaches came on. Talk to us about what you think about the Carolina State draw. It's a tough one with Creighton. Uh, let us hear your thoughts on that. First of all, I want to say the time of the draw could not have been any better for me because I was telling Phil, and I'll just tell you the same thing I've already mentioned to him, but uh, I'm going to be an emotional wreck. So what I thought through was, man, the timing of it's beautiful because, you know, it's the be the second greatest day in my life. They're either going to lose and then I'm going to have, you know, my rehearsal dinner an hour later. So, you know, I'll have a, an emotional kind of train to worry about, <laughs> or a roller coaster to worry about. And then if they win, it'll already be the second greatest day of my life. So it's like, you know what? I think I'm okay. Um, basketball answer. Um, by the way, great job with uh, with two coaches earlier before uh, of uh, Davenport and uh, Para there. I listened to part of the beginning of both of those. But um, yeah, I I'll be honest. I, I was so excited. I saw 11 and I saw no buy and I said some words that I won't say on this podcast. <laughs> And then I and then I remembered it was the six seed Creighton draw, and everything <laughs> came back to earth. Uh, I'm not thrilled by any stretch of the imagination. Um, I do think, though, I, not to think ahead too far, but I think if they can control uh, and figure out a way to to beat that starting lineup that Creighton has, that bolsters you know some really great players. I think the Kulkbrenner thing is going to be the difference maker. State obviously without uh, Mohortich still uh, with unfortunately a busted i i called it a busted kneecap all year because that's i was there the game he got hurt uh against coppin state i watched the kneecap go in i mean it yeah so Mahortich is not coming back that was depth that you want there um burns obviously can get himself into foul trouble um just because he has great touch doesn't mean he doesn't uh foul too heavily there but um i think if they can figure out even if they just let colt printer go crazy that's great to you know three of the best guard rotation in the country um, I don't want to think ahead here, but I uh, mean, the three guards for state against three guards of Baylor would be really awesome. Assuming that Baylor even gets past the Gauchos. We've talked all about the South, but we've not talked about two of the more hope, high profile teams within this region. And Corey, it looks like you're back. So I'm going to come to you first. Alabama, in my opinion, especially the top part of the draw to me feels like a, a pretty easy ride, not easy, but you know, based on how the draw came out, it feels like they should be able to cruise to the lead eight. And then Baylor is a three seed. You know, you see Santa Barbara and then a potential Creighton matchup second round. And then either, you know, Utah State, Missouri, Arizona, Sweet 16. Talk to us, Corey, about your thoughts about Alabama as the one, their draw in this, and then Baylor as a three. And we'll kind of go around the table in both. Yeah, no, I think, you know, if Alabama comes out and plays like they're fully capable of, I mean, we've seen they can score the basketball with the best of them. And they can flat out, you know, just dominate the offensive end. And, you know, a couple matchups there, you know, that Maryland uh, potential in the second round is who I have them going up against. And Maryland's prone to going into some of those scoring droughts. And uh, I think Alabama's going to absolutely exploit that. Uh, I think they have a pretty easy role. 
uh, going forward. Um, you know, I think uh, I think that second round you guys kind of mentioned it. Baylor is going to be an exciting matchup just with their guard play, uh, easily with the best backcourt uh, right there, along with NC State and Miami overall in the entire tournament. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see. I think uh, I have them going to uh, the lead eight and actually falling to Baylor. Um, so I think, you know, that's going to be the marquee matchup for me that I'm looking forward to. But I think uh, I think it depends on which Baylor we get or which sorry, which Alabama we get. If we get the pissed off Alabama that came out after they had a defeat early on, uh, you know, right now they are rolling, you know, rolling through the SEC and stuff like that. So I think, uh, you know, it, it just kind of tells of which which side of Alabama we get when it comes to tournament time. Which side of Baylor yeah. we get also fits very well. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's just so many teams, and you know, I was talking to a buddy of mine about it today, and it's like there's so many teams. That it's like, hey, they could they could easily win this matchup, but it's like, you know, which team are we going to get? And it's like, and then it was like the next matchup, and it's like, oh, they they could easily win this, but which team are we going to get? And it was just like the just so many, and you know, and the other thing I was going to kind of throw on in Alabama is just you know this is. This is the prime time that, you know, every single, you know, distraction, every single thing comes out and is all over the place. And, you know, some of the some of the different stories and stuff that's going on with Alabama, how much of that ends up coming to light during the tor- tournament, which kind of, you know, transpires yeah. into a distraction or goes through the team and through the locker room. I mean, you see what happens in the locker room when teams fold with UNC right now. And it's like, you know, and just the overall culture falls. And I mean, right there, just as a prime example that, you know, what happens with Alabama when it comes to, you know, things coming in the spotlight. It'll yeah, be interesting. NCAA tournament media is obviously you're going to have to stand in front of the spotlight. Um, but let's get down to it. Let's go around the table, Peyton. We'll start with you coming out. Who is your Elite Eight matchup from the South region and who ultimately goes to the Final Four and represents the South? I got one seed Bama taking on three seed Baylor. I think Baylor, and I'm saying this all year, is the best back in the country. Um, it all depends. Defensively, they've struggled pretty much all season long. They're going to have to get some stops. And Scott Drew's done it before. But I think just Bama is just f- offensive firepower. Brandon Miller is probably going to have a great game in this one. I love Javon Quinn. If he plays like he did in the SEC championship game against Texas A&M, I don't know how you stop Bama at all. Um, so I think Bama beats uh, Baylor in a high-scoring 80-plus points. And Bama goes to Final Four. We already got Corey's. We'll go down to Phil. Yeah, you know, last night on the spaces, I was joking with Trevor earlier. I kind of backed myself into a corner with uh, with Baylor, and I've actually rethought it a little bit. And uh, I got Bama and Arizona in the Elite Eight here, and uh, I like Arizona taking out Bama. I just think ultimately Arizona actually shoots the ball quite a bit better and has more weapons that they can rely on offensively. And I th- at some point, Brandon Miller probably has a bad game in this tournament. And if it happens to be there, just Bama has no chance. And think about it. Coach Davenport put a lot of doubt in her mind about Alabama. You know he did. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't really think about the distractions a ton until Davenport brought it up as being such a big factor. Yeah. Trevor? So, and I, I missed probably some of what he said about the distractions. I think sometimes adversity is a good thing. That's why I think you're, there's teams like Arizona this year um, that haven't kind of necessarily gone through that adversity off the court. I know Alabama had that you know situation. I'm going to leave it at that. Um, you had a lot of other teams like Texas had to deal with some other things off the floor. Creighton, I mean, relatively, I know injuries is something on the floor, but Creighton's another adverse team. Um, ultimately, I think sometimes I think we undervalue coaching, um, and I'm not necessarily never been an Alabama truther this year. I have the uh, Crimson Tide playing Arizona in the Elite Eight, um, and I'm a huge fan of uh, of Lloyd's, so I'm going to go with the Wildcats. Uh, like Phil said, they are a really 
uh, exceptional shooting team, effective field goal percentage, they're top 10 in the country, uh, and a lot of other major uh, factors that are actually third in the country in effective field goal percentage. Um, they also defend uh, relatively well amongst their front court. The big weak spot for me as a person who loves guards in March, it's going to be their guards. We'll see what happens. I think all it takes is a few uh, consistent streaks here, and I think that uh, Arizona makes the Elite Eight out of here. And in mine, I've got the South just blowing the hell. <laughs> like, I, I mean, I've got upsets. I, I think Missouri gets through Utah State. We'll push Arizona. Arizona ultimately wins. I've got Creighton over Baylor. Creighton is bigger. I know Baylor's got the better backcourt, but I think Creighton preseason, I think we're starting to see at the end of the year that team come back to fruition that we saw in Maui. I've got Creighton beating Baylor. I've got Creighton knocking out Arizona in the Sweet 16 and then ultimately coming up short against Alabama because Alabama can match their size. They're deeper and they're more athletic. I've got Alabama beating Creighton in lead eight to move on to the final four. Let's move over to the Midwest where we have Houston as the number one seed in this region, fellas. This is an interesting one. You look up and down this bracket, it should all point, all signs point to a Houston, Texas Elite Eight. But there are roadblocks in the way here. There's question marks. Is Miami, you know, what's the status of Norchad Omir? Is he fully healthy? If he's not, Drake can knock him off. What do we get out of Iowa Auburn? I mean, storylines galore. So we'll go around whoever wants to start this. What's potential upsets and roadblocks that a higher seed can get picked off in that first round here in the Midwest region? Uh, Trevor, jump in here first. I know he's got to go here in a couple minutes. Yeah, go ahead. So I don't want to say that Iowa's the fun, easy pick here, but I think the three point, I mean, I was telling Phil, if they play like they did against Michigan State, where they went, well, it was a six for 11 down the stretch uh, or seven for six 11. Down nine. The yeah, to make just to even get to overtime and then to not take a single three in overtime against Michigan State in that game. I was watching every second of the last five minutes. Unbelievable. Uh, if they shoot like that, they can beat anybody in their side of the bracket. Um, I'm trying to find out more about uh, Norchad's injury. Um, I haven't heard anything back yet, but I'm pessimistic that it's not as good as we think it might be obviously it looked anytime you turn an ankle that hard um i don't know not that sasser's injury is a groin is much better or worse but um, they both didn't look very good i think iowa to answer your question i think iowa talking about upset potential for houston i think iowa even just in the round of 32 is my team to keep an eye on um but then again uh, my bracket show will go up tomorrow morning uh that i did with phil and I had Drake and Kent State both playing each other in the uh, round, of th <laughs> round of 32. And then I had obviously somebody had to make the Sweet 16 out of that section. So um, I don't, not that Drake is, I think, uh, you know, a good matchup for Houston. I actually had them ultimately beating Kent State. But I will say, keep an eye on the flat Golden Flashes because if they make the Sweet 16, they lost to Houston by five in Houston this year. So at 44 to 49, I mean, like a game that they absolutely are more offensively built to be able to withstand. And, you know, I'm not saying it could happen, but. Kent State or Iowa would be my answer if I had to just pick a 32 or 16 potential there to beat them. Peyton? Yeah, I'm glad you just mentioned Kent State. When I filled out my bracket and I was taking notes last night, I literally had Indiana winning this first-round matchup. But then I kept on taking notes. I was really up to about 6 in the morning just thinking about all this stuff. And I ended up switching it this morning when I woke up. 
I got Kansas State beating Indiana. The main reason why my biggest concerns about Indiana is one, Jalen Hood Shafino, another that they don't have Xavier Johnson. He's been known to be turnover prone. And they got a guy in Malik Jacobs who's fourth in the country in steals per game with 2.7 per game. He also ranks first in Evan Meyer's defensive rating for the MAC conference this year. If he he and he also he had a game this year, I think it was against I don't remember who it was. He had 10 steals in the game this year. If you put him on Jalen Hood Shafino, he locks him up, take him out of the game. Now TJD has to do a lot of this stuff on his own. And that's another big concern. TJD has not had too much help this season. Also, they defended the three-point ball really well, the top 40 in defense. And by the way, I didn't even mention him. Cecile Curry, the best player, averaging almost 18 points per game with five assists per game. I like Kent State being Indiana in that first-round matchup. Phil, Corey? Yeah, no, I kind of mentioned it and kind of alluded to it already, but, you know, I'm, I'm right there with Peyton. I think, uh, you know, overall the size advantage goes to Indiana, but I think uh, Kent State's just going to throw so much into, you know, into the paint at him. He's going to turn the ball over. They're going to kind of create some of the same issues that he's shown of, you know, balls getting poked away, uh, a little bit quicker guards moving around. I think uh, Jalen Josefino has a little bit of issues. Malik Renew is going to be called upon. And, you know, against some of these smaller teams that he's played against in the Big Ten, he's had issues moving his feet, staying out of foul trouble, where ultimately I think he's going to be eliminated uh, from being any kind of contention with size. I just don't like the matchup. Indiana hasn't shown that they've been consistent, uh, you know, at the three-point line, uh, you know, especially against, you know, Penn State on Saturday when they dropped that game to ultimately get knocked out of the Big Ten tournament. Um, you know, I, I just not completely sold, which absolutely upsets me being a Hoosier fan, but I just, I'm not sold that they can get through this first round matchup, especially with the way Kent State plays against some of these tougher teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the kind of opposite side here and that I just think that ultimately that size advantage is so big with TJD and then it's not like Indiana completely lacks guard play. I mean, I get sort of like Corey alluded to earlier. We have these a lot of Jekyll and Hyde teams, but Jalen Hood Shafino can be kind of a Jekyll and Hyde player. And if he doesn't, you know, if he comes out and has the 15 point, 20 point half that we've seen him be capable of, this game could get away from Kent State really quickly as well. So I, I like Indiana in this one. I do think it'll be close. I think ultimately they pull away late though. I'm I'm 100% in agreement with Phil. I love sincere or sincere carry. We've talked about him, but I mean Indiana still a great defensive team. Kent State's got to score the basketball, and Indiana's going to have a definitive size advantage on them. If they can't keep Trace off the backboard, it doesn't matter what Kent State does. I've got Indiana in this game. I've actually got Indiana knocking out Miami as well, especially if Norchad is not there. I know Miami's got the advantage in the backcourt, but again, if they don't have somebody to contend with TJD, I don't know how a 70% healthy Miami is going to be an Indiana team that's so good defensively. The, one of the points in the top part of this bracket I do want to bring up, Iowa, or I'm sorry, not Iowa, Auburn's a nine seed playing in Birmingham. If they get by Iowa, we know Auburn is a good defensive team when they choose to lock in. If they get by Iowa, Houston as a one has got to play Auburn in their backyard of Birmingham. That will yep. be a very partisan pro Auburn crowd. I would not be surprised that Auburn doesn't knock them off. I'm not saying they will, but if Marcus Sasser is not healthy and Auburn defends at the, the highest level that they know how to with a home court crowd, I would not be surprised to see Houston go out in the round at 32 to Auburn. 
Um, you guys have any thoughts on that one or am I crazy? No, you just kind of, you know, came to the point that I was going to touch on. It's like, you know, Auburn's shown that they can defend, but it's just another sense of, you know, so up and down on the offensive end and so up and down on overall, you know, gameplay. And it's like, no, I was just about to say, if Indiana gets past Kent State, I have them going to the lead eight. Uh, I think the I think they're just a bad matchup for Miami. You kind of touched on it. I think Auburn uh, and Houston is going to be a great round of 32 game. And I think ultimately, you know, battle tested. I, I just I kind of like the Indiana in that next round matchup as well. Um, you know, I, I think 100% you touched on it that every single part of that game shows that Auburn could potentially be a knockoff to Houston. And Houston could be that number one team that goes down first. Uh, also, Purdue could be, but I think you're 100% spot on. Josh, I don't think you're crazy at all. I think Auburn can definitely, if they beat Iowa in that first-round matchup, which is going to be a difficult task for them to do with how good Iowa is offensively, um, I think they can compete and potentially beat Houston, especially if Sasser is not healthy. Um, he's still with that lingering going injury that he had in the uh, conference tournament. Um, I think they could happen. The biggest thing with me is kind of how Phil alluded with Jalen Hitchfino. Wendell Green's so Jekyll and Hyde, but he's so like inconsistent. He takes so many bad shots. He takes so many bad shots. Like he can, if he's on, he can get you twenty a game. But if he's bad, he can get you about eight points, maybe three rebounds or three turnovers a game. Like he's so Jekyll and Hyde, and he's so inconsistent. Like it's all on him if he plays well or not. Yeah, Trevor also another guy that's super inconsistent but extremely talented. It's Katie Johnson from Auburn. But if he's good then he's one of the best players in America. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I, I'm more content that Iowa gets it done anyway, so I haven't even entertained the Auburn part of it. The problem is is that that home court environment is something that I'm going to lose sleep over. Um, ultimately, I, I think either team can give Houston a problem. I think just because of the offensive firepower, I think Iowa would be more fit to do it. Right, let's go around the round table here for the Midwest region. Who do you got in the Elite Eight? Who do you got going to the final four here? Uh, Trevor, I know you got to go here soon. So let's hear it from the Midwest here. I, let me go make sure I have this right. So Midwest, uh, I think it's going to be a, a battle. Uh, I think it's going to be one of the more fun ones to watch. Cause you've got your like Texas and Colgate's. It's going to be interesting. Everyone and their mother is picking Penn state. It feels like I obviously have, some kind of 12 plus seed making the uh, sweet 16 in that bracket. So I've got to eat crow there if that doesn't happen. Um, ultimately I do have Houston playing Texas and I have Texas. Um, I think just the run that they're on right now, coach Terry's done an unbelievable job. I mentioned adversity is something that is positive uh, for an NCAA tournament team, especially adversity that they can turn around and pretty much not miss a beat. Uh, obviously the big 12 champs and they'll potentially uh, face their, uh, their formidable foe in Kansas. I have Texas making the final four out of the Midwest. I'm right there with you. Uh, I, I've got Texas over Houston as well. Mine, this is the region I'm pretty chalky in. The Sweet 16s, Houston, Indiana, and then Xavier, Texas, all top four seeds with Houston, Texas playing in the lead eight. I, I like Texas's uh, backcourt. I like their toughness, and momentum means a lot. I, I'm with you. I've got Texas being Houston in this game to go to the Final Four. Go ahead, Phil. Yeah, I also have Texas beating Houston to go to the Final Four. I feel like we're uh, we're all kind of in agreement on this one, but I just think the Sasser injury, you know, would probably be ironed out by that point, but still calls Houston into question a little bit for me, and just really love Texas's backcourt 
all the different weapons they have. I mentioned Dylan Disu earlier on uh, Trevor's podcast. I think he's been really stepping up defensively for them. He had so a great I, big 12 like, tournament. Yeah, exactly. So I like uh, Texas in this one. By the way, real quick, Peyton, before you get to yours, I will say if Texas is going to get picked off early, <laughs> Colgate's the best three-point shooting team in the country. That's Colgate, right. that could be an upset waiting to happen. And then if they have to play Texas A&M the second round, that's a rivalry matchup at the former Big 12 opponent. And Texas A&M is physical. They will not shy away from the Texas Longhorns. So Texas has some pitfalls before they get to the potential Final Four. But let's hear your pick. Well, you kind of just stole my thunder because I actually have Texas A&M <laughs> upset in Texas in the second round. I think A&M outworks them, outtops them. Um, they'll be physical with them, especially their guards. Way Taylor, Taylor has been incredible this season. Um, I think Texas A&M upsets Texas in the second round, which, by the way, give Ronnie Taylor the job. He won the Big 12 tournament. Give him the job. Enough of this waiting crap because it's ridiculous. It's getting old now. Um, I think I got – actually, if they're healthy – I think Miami goes to the Final Four. If they don't have Norchad Amir, then I think it's going to be really difficult for them to do that, and I'll probably end up changing that. But as of now, I think Norchad Amir will be back. Um, so I think Miami beats Xavier in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. I like that. I this like this week, you said you went chalk in this region. This region, I actually went with a lot of upsets. I have Pitt. If they beat Mississippi State, I have Pitt upset in Iowa State. See, I don't think Pitt's going to beat Mississippi State, though. I don't I either. Mississippi, I don't see I, I think, winning either. I think Mississippi State's size was too much. Tolo Smith, Pitt don't have somebody to guard him. No. Yeah, but they got a Burton, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a fair point. Fair point. My, my I got you there. Burton in the country, but that's funny. Oh, yeah, right. fair point. Corey, real quick on yours. Uh, so there's two scenarios. If Indiana gets past Kent State, I have Indiana playing Xavier with Xavier going. Uh, if not, then I have uh, Houston Xavier, but either way, I have Xavier in the Final Four for this one. I like it. Riding Sean Miller, I like it. Getting him to his first Final Four. Let's move down to the West, Peyton. Um, we've talked a lot about Kansas here. This is by far. Trevor and we talked on uh, Phil's show last night. This would be the group of death if it was soccer. This is, in my opinion, the hardest region of all four of them. Kansas to one. An 8-9 Arkansas-Illinois. St. Mary's, you know, we know St. Mary's slow down tempo. They're the five. VCU's the 12. UConn's in there. TCU, Gonzaga, UCLA. This is the toughest region this year out west. Guys, your thoughts on the region as a whole, potential upsets. Um, there's a lot of fun matchups in this region, but damn, it's brutal. Can I just say, just, just real quick about Kansas, um, if Kansas hypothetically beats Illinois in the second round, my team, Kansas, would have beat all your teams this year. Beat NC State. They beat Kentucky. Beat Indiana. And they beat Illinois. Like, my team would have beat all your teams in the span of one season. That would be incredible. Uh, either way, I think Kansas definitely has a difficult region. The fact that – Hey, you see that on camera? <laughs> I see You see it. that on camera? Yeah, I see it. I see it all right. Um, I, the fact that Connecticut <laughs> – <laughs> Back and better than ever. <laughs> the fact that Connecticut, probably the, one of the most talented teams in the country, is off four seed, which, by the way, I listened to so many publications, Phil to 68, you know, Matt Norland, Gary Parish, like all these guys, and they were predict, predict, saying that I own it was going to be UConn. I almost predicted it. The thing is with Connecticut and Dan Hurley, he has not got out of the first round since I think 2017 or 2018. His career at Connecticut, he's never been out of the first round. And the fact that he has to go against a coach, a, a, 
a team that's led by Rick Pitino in the first round. Good luck with that. Either way, I think he gets past them. This region, though, it's so difficult, man. It's a brutal region, Trev. Yeah, I'm going to zag when everyone else is zigging. You mentioned upsets, and I was going to leave with this. I didn't. Uh, I'll stick around for the rest of the West uh, before I get out of here. But uh, I'm going to lay out a case, and Phil's going to make fun of me. He has every reason to. So um, scared money don't make money. And UNC Asheville is going to open as a 17-and-a-half dog against UCLA. And here's the case I'm going to lay out. is I told Phil I'm going to do my exact podcast as I laid it out with him bracket and every contest that I have money in every contest of creators and things like that that is gonna be the one I stick with and I have UCLA narrowly beating UNC Asheville however I spent the last two hours Phil uh looking at uh some other Bartovic things that I didn't even bring up uh talking to you earlier that makes me sit here and think for the sake of we talked about a little bit that's free money 17 and a half UNC Asheville is going to keep it close with UCLA's injuries um, but scared money don't make money. If the money line's like plus 600, why wouldn't the you know 34th best effective field goal team in USC Asheville win? Um, they turn the ball over more than they should. Uh, they're 12th in the country in free throw rate. Uh, UCLA is 316th in the country in free throw rate. So if there's a free throw battle right there, that is going to be what ends games and wins games. Um, Three-point shooting team-wise, uh, UNC Asheville is 22nd in the country in defending the three and sixth in the country in making the three. Why the heck can't they beat UCLA, who's injury battled on defense? Um, that's what I was going to leave you guys with. Scare money, don't beg money. 17 and a half is my uh, lock of that side of the bracket. If, uh, we're not even talking about betting, but that's what I'm doing. Let me tell you something that I've debated this. <laughs> I do. I think this, if there's going to be a 15 over a two this year, it's going to be this matchup. Drew Pember, Tajon, uh, what's, his, uh, what's his last name? He just escaped me. It's Jones. Jones is last name. Tajon Jones. Whatever. The, the yeah. starting point. Yeah, Tajon, I couldn't. I had a brain. He turns the ball over. That's part of the problem I'm scared with. But yeah. But this will be the 15 over two if one happens. Two 15 I, seeds reached the Sweet 16 in the past two men's tournaments. That's the point I was trying to hold up here. It literally popped up five minutes before I said it, trying to wow. talk about Asheville. So it, that yes, that is the I, case. I, I love because you, Phil, you talked to Coach Morrell. You know his mentality after spending 12 minutes with him. They're not going to be scared of UCLA, especially a banged up UCLA team. It sounds like these guys are going to be loose and ready to let it fly. And if they're hitting, especially if a guy like Drew Pember can get going, I think we could see an upset in this one, Phil. Like I said, you talked to Coach Morrell. What's your opinion on it? Yeah, well, I mean, you mentioned it. Their approach is clearly. And I think there's a certain level that every coach in the nation is this way, but that you have to go in thinking that you're this other team's equal. You know, if you come into this game coaching or playing like you're the huge underdog, you don't have a chance. I mean, you're playing scared at that point. Um, like Trevor mentioned though, I think the 17 and a half, I think it was 18 and a half when we talked earlier, but I still like 17 and a half. That's easy money. And honestly, money line, Trevor, you mentioned it. They're going to be better than plus 600. I mean, unless that's what they were right now. I was guessing they were like probably plus 850 or even plus a thousand based plus on 850 is right on Yahoo. I, that's the three hours ago. Yahoo posted a. Let me check. Let me check Fanduel. That, yeah. that. Let me check Fanduel while you're talking, because that's where Fandle's I've got it. So, my state. Um, rub but it in. <laughs> e either way, like you guys mentioned, I think the point spread is easy money because Drew Pember is going to keep them in this game. I mentioned to Trevor earlier, Adam Bona, even if he plays in this game and is healthy, he makes some highlight real defensive plays. 
But a lot of that is because of him being out of position. It's because of him getting beat so badly. Um, and I think Pember can really take it to him. What do we got there? Plus, Plus 1400 Plus fourteen. If you have five dollars to throw it, if you're going to spend five dollars on a coffee or five dollars on UNC Asheville's money line, put it on UNC Asheville's money line. Good oh, Lord. I, yeah, I am definitely have a better potential return it. there than the coffee. <laughs> I, I'm parlaying that, <laughs> but go ahead. Oh no, that was pretty much all I had. Just I think that Pember, at the very least, keeps them competitive in this game. Um, and, and am I going to pick them to win or go that far? Probably not. But this game's a game I see being within, you know, six eight points going down to the wire where everybody's kind of tuning in like, Oh, there's a potential upset. And maybe UCLA pushes it to 10 or 12 at the end. But well, here's it's also the ten Oh five tip on on Thursday. So good hey, luck with that one. Here's the thing. We all know with all these potential upsets, that game gets down to the final TV timeout and it's within two or three possessions and the underdog one way or the other, you know, that team that's favored is going to be tensing up a little bit. We've seen it with Kentucky last year with St. Peter's. We've seen it with Purdue in the Sweet 16. That game gets under the final four minutes, and it is a close ball game. That team that's the favorite is going to be like, we can't lose this. We can't lose. We can't. And the other team's like, house money, baby. Barbecue chicken in the oven because I think this is going to be close all the way through. I really do. Now, does UNC Asheville win? We'll have to see if they can make enough shots ultimately. But – I think this is going to be close all the way. Uh, looking at the rest of the Midwest, or I'm sorry, the West, fellas, that Arkansas-Illinois matchup is juicy. There's a lot of meat on the bone for an 8-9, and I feel bad for Kansas one way or the other. Phil, that, that's your boys right there, the Illini. Not the greatest draw, but, man, this is going to be a hell of a matchup. It's an unbelievable matchup. I mean, even if I wasn't an Illinois fan, I think this would probably be one of my favorite your you know top matchups of the opening round but I told Trevor earlier I'm sort of in that position where like in my head I'm talking myself into all these situations that I can see Illinois winning and, and it's not like it's a, a super outside possibility or something like that but I think ultimately Arkansas has too many weapons um you know Nick Smith is going to be the best player on the floor but Ricky Council Jr. may be the second best player on the floor you could probably argue Anthony Black may be the third best player on the floor so when you get that far down the list before you get to an Illinois guy I just think that Arkansas has the huge advantage talent wise here I also didn't mention this earlier but have sort of thought about it more as an Illinois fan and I think that Muss has a huge coaching advantage over Brad Underwood just X's and O's wise I mean I'm not going to criticize Underwood's coaching here, but he's he's not the ultimate X's and O's genius that Muss is, and uh, I think that makes a difference in this one as well. Here's the thing about this. Arkansas is prone to bad shots. They are prone to late shot clock, not getting anything, and Devo Davis taking the heave. Now, sometimes he'll make it, but they're prone to bad shots. The one thing I think Arkansas, besides the, the level of talent and potential, is how good of they are stopping defensive drives or defending drives with their length, reaching in, poking the ball away, stripping, ripping for the uh, transition bucket. I think though, Illinois has tournament experience on their side. TJ Shannon's played in high level tournament games. Matthew Mayer two years ago, won into a freaking national title and he's going to be a mismatch nightmare for Arkansas. Peyton, this is a a very close eight, nine. It's a very intriguing game. Uh, Your thoughts real quick on this one. I'm curious to see who Illinois pits on Nick Smith because I would love to see Sincere Harris guard him. 
I love Sasan Harris. I mean, he's like the only, one of the only few players um, on this Illinois team that I actually like watching, to be honest. And that's not saying anything about like TJ Shannon or Matthew Mayo or any other guys like that. I just really like Sincere Harris. I watched him in that Las Vegas tournament, the main event tournament, and he just was locking dudes up. Uh, did a hell of a job on Tiger Campbell on that one. But uh, no, this is a difficult one. I'd rather play. I think I'd rather play Illinois than I do Arkansas because Arkansas probably has better talent than Kansas does. Um, and the long, too. It's not just they have talent. I mean, Anthony Cowan's, what, like 6'6 or something like that. Athletic, long. Um, I think they give Kansas some issues in that second round. But, man, there's some intriguing matchup in this one. Uh, VCU and St. Mary's, that 12-5 seed. Very, very intriguing. St. Mary's, I don't know what it is about this team, but I actually think they come out on top on that one. But would not shock me if VCU beats them. VCU is going to push the action. St. Mary is going to run the shot clock and bleed the clock down and rely on their defense. If VCU can get the tempo where they want it, I think St. Mary's is in a lot of trouble. But if they can neutralize that and slow the game down, St. Mary's wins. But uh, some other ones just real quick before we get predictions. Um, guys, I think Gonzaga has a pretty easy road. Now, if you say it was fully healthy – then UCLA would give them more of an issue. But I think you look at Gonzaga, they got Grand Canyon. Phil, I know you have that guy, which was kind of fun in your uh, your uh, your spaces last night. Yeah, he, he was the Grand Canyon guy, kind of making a case for him. I appreciate that. But Gonzaga is going to blow him out of the water, I think. And then Gonzaga is more than likely going to play TCU. Okay, Mike Miles and company will do some damage potentially, but then you they'll play more than likely a banged-up UCLA team to get to Elite Eight where they'll play whoever comes out of that top. If I'm Gonzaga, I love this draw. Yeah, I think if you're Gonzaga, obviously your main weakness is your defense, and I don't think you really have to be too concerned about that until the Sweet 16 matchup with UCLA. I think their offense is enough to carry them in those first two matchups pretty easily. And then you mentioned that UCLA is banged up right now, so I'm not sure that UCLA can really slow them down as much as they would want to in that matchup. So I really like Gonzaga going to the Elite Eight here. Uh, Trevor Payton, anything real quick? Trevor, go ahead. Um, yeah, I think their their walk is even easier, especially if you know, UCLA is knocked off by either Boise State, Northwestern, or UNC Asheville. So uh, I hate to say this, uh, everyone's dragging this out, and they're like, "Well, this is the year." Gonzaga's not the one seed, so they're not. They're just going to win the national title, I guess. But people are like discrediting the fact that Kansas and UConn are on the other side of their region, and we'll get to Final Four and Elite Eight picks in just a minute. But like, I, I don't know. I, I'm not. I'm not a Gonzaga believer this year. I think there are some things in their front court that I think uh, places people like UConn and uh, Kansas, especially with the backcourt and the opposite, can take care of. So um, from that standpoint, I, I think you mentioned a couple other things too. TCU, um, nobody's really predicting the Arizona State and Nevada upset. I would say if Arizona State's there, that they're going to give TCU a, a hard-fought uh, challenge. I think TCU reminds me a lot of USC, who they uh, obviously took down in the Pac-12 uh, tournament. Obviously, no Lampkin's going to hurt TCU there. Um, I would have been a big TCU believer if they were floating anywhere between a four and a six, uh, preferably closer to a four or a five. Um, but they obviously know how to be uh, handled through adversity there with losing miles for a lot of the season and the middle of the conference stretch and still being a six seed ultimately. So um, I'm, I've got some question marks and some bookmarks on some of these teams, but ultimately it's going to matter what happens for me with Kansas and UConn at the top. All right, let's get to Elite Eight Final Four pick. Who comes out of the West? And is this the region where, if it's like mine, the one seed goes out fairly early? And, uh, yeah, let's hear them. Elite Eight, 
Who wants to start? Uh, Phil, you go ahead. Well, I I hate to do this to you, Peyton, but I think that UConn is the exact like bad matchup for Kansas. Kansas's one weakness is their front court. And that's UConn's strength. Um, obviously, I think Kansas could overcome that with Jalen Wilson, who's one of the top five players in the country, which is an advantage for them. But I ultimately take UConn in that matchup and have them go into the Elite Eight and actually go into the Final Four as well over Gonzaga. I think UConn's physicality in that Gonzaga matchup is able to uh, tip the scales in their favor. Trev? Oh, this is the this is one of the three matchups last night that I ended up. I would have probably gone to bed at twelve thirty and not two thirty if uh, Kansas and UConn had not been uh, the teams that I think would have ended up there in the Sweet Sixteen. Crazy to think that's a Sweet Sixteen game too. Kansas UConn, my God, this region's um, loaded. Yeah, loaded. I, at first glance, I didn't I didn't think that because of the TCU stuff, and I'm not a believer in Gonzaga as everyone else is, but I do have the Zags and uh, the Jayhawks playing each other and the elite eight and i think i've made my bet if kansas loses to yukon then i think i'm okay but i just i don't know sometimes you just have these visions and, and honestly they tell you all the time when you make brackets go with your gut whether yep. your gut's right or wrong and honestly this is this kansas team reminds me a lot of last year's team that obviously went on to win the national title their coach is getting back after you know some adversity supposedly some of the local media there said it ended up being stints which uh got some experience in that uh in that you know heart field there i know how those things work and that's something he can come back from and hopefully he uh manages the stress there hopefully no stress against howard and maybe some against arkansas but um i think they're you know just the quad games they've played in all year in such a ridiculous conference and i i think kansas ultimately uh beats gonzaga to make the final four this is the region we keep saying is the hardest, and it'll end up being the region that VCU or uh, Arizona State or somebody comes out of. Uh, Corey, you're Elite Eight in this round, and who comes out of the Final Four out of the West? Uh, I'm going with UConn versus Gonzaga. I think UConn knocks off Kansas as well as you guys, uh, and I think uh, I got UConn advancing on through it. Peyton? Oh, I hate this Legion, man. I hate it. Just pick Gonzaga. Um, It'll make your life easier. You don't have to I pick against them. I will never pick Gonzaga, <laughs> especially in this region. I have Gonzaga get beat by TCU in the second round, by That's the way. That's right. You said that. Um, I did. You said, Josh, that this could be the Legion that a VCU gets to the Elite or whatever. I think this could be the Legion that just holds shock, and that's what I got. I got Kansas beating UCLA to go to the Final Four. Um, Phil, wow. you mentioned Kansas and UConn. Um UConn definitely has the better front court, but Kansas, KJ Adams, and uh, Uday has been playing great here lately. I think yeah. they can hang with uh, Sonogo, and Kansas' backcourt's way better, and that's what wins games in the tournaments is their backcourt. And Phil, or Trevor mentioned it in, I think it was the South region, about coaching. There's not a better coach in that's the game true. than Bill Self. I, I yeah, think and, and KJ Adams and Uday are playing better, but – on top of Sonoga, you have to remember they have Klingon coming off the bench, a 7-2 monster. And so, I mean, K.J. Adams can do whatever he wants. He can't guard Donovan Klingon. He just can't. I mean, he's 6-7. He's, he's going to get dominated in that matchup. That's where I think, un unfortunately, Kansas doesn't have the Joel Embiid, you know, 7-foot, 250 guy that they can throw. Here's what's going to end up knocking UConn out. Uh-oh. We freeze? No, you're good. Okay, okay, I'm sorry. I thought I froze for a second. Here's what I think is going to ultimately get UConn is what got them during that losing streak earlier in the year is they're going to rely too much on the three-point shot and it's not going to fall. Um, I look at this, Peyton, I'm sorry. 
Arkansas screams bad matchup for Kansas to me. The athleticism, the way they defend, they get out and run. If they play up to their best, I think Arkansas knocks Kansas out in the second round. Um, and then ultimately I've got UConn, UCLA in the Elite Eight. I've still got UCLA. If I'm hearing a Dean Bona is going to be back ready to go, according to sources, I think they're still good enough as long as Bona is healthy enough to play. I think UCLA navigates it and gets through the region here. But I, I expect craziness. Like I mentioned, UNC Asheville can knock UCLA off. Boise State can knock them off. I mean, all sorts of crazy shit could happen in this region. That's why this region is going to be a lot of fun. Um, Trev, are you, do you got to leave now or can you stay for the last region here? Uh, I'm going to go and get out of here. I do want, okay. uh, do you want to do my final four pick? Yeah, right? go ahead and like, yeah, your final um, four national champion. What's the last region you haven't hit? You haven't hit, uh, East, South, east. Or east right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I have too many thoughts on the East. So I, I don't want us to go away over time. So, uh, I will say of the East, I'll give you a quick, uh, just synopsis. Cause I do think it is the most boring. Um, I do think there are some teams in there. I just don't care for, I told Phil this, uh, I think the winner of Oral Roberts Duke makes the elite eight. So that means they would obviously beat the winner of Memphis FAU or Purdue. Um, I think anybody in this region could beat Tennessee minus maybe Texas Southern and fairly Dickinson. But, um, <laughs> I do have Tennessee beating Louisiana in the first round, which is kind of the only non-chalk thing. I literally went chalk all throughout this. I had FAU. I guess that's not technically chalk. I had Duke beating Oral Roberts in probably one of the closest and best games of the tournament uh, in the first round. Um, and then I do have ultimately the Kansas State part of this is going to be where I think I'm going to end up being in the minority in the country because I think a lot of people aren't giving them the serious credit that they deserve. Um, they've obviously got uh, against Duke. It's a favorable matchup uh, for either team because both teams have – you know, front court depth with uh, Nikon Tomlin for your uh, Wildcats, uh, Keontae Johnson, guys like that. I think Kansas State, because of the battle testedness, people talk about some of the, you know, Big 12 being the best conference. They end up getting seven teams in because it was just a bloodbath. I think that matters eventually. And I think the Big 12's experience in playing each other this year and being up for these big games, I think stylistically, stylistically, I've used that word way too much this tournament. Uh, Kansas State can beat Duke, and I have Kansas State. Uh, coming out of that part of the region uh, for the East. And then uh, really quick, I mentioned earlier, I guess Arizona for me in the final four against Kansas State. I have Kansas playing Texas on the other side of the region. And then I do have Kansas beating Arizona to win the national title. There um, you go back to back. Yeah, I think it happens. Let's I think go. at this point, uh, too much juju around it. Mark Titus tried to fool people and tell us that you know, it hasn't happened uh, in football and basketball in the same years ever. And that it, make those jokes about him, you know, losing to Florida and 2007 with Ohio State there I think they do it I think this is the best coach team in the country I think this is one of the best teams Bill Self's put together ever and the fact that they retooled in in, in five years I know Peyton you can be excited about that but yeah, I really I'm do believe it. it I really do believe it the only thing I would falter there for me would be Arizona playing them because I think Arizona's guards can be so inconsistent and that scares me down the stretch but do I think they make a national title they probably can they well, here's the game. last thing, too, before we let you go. Um, they were talking about on Kentucky Sports Radio Day, a caller uh, called in and asked, if Kansas goes back-to-back, does that make them the blue standard in college, or the gold standard in college basketball now? And the KSR people said, yeah, it has to. Go back-to-back. You got the most wins all time. They would pass Kentucky officially for now as the gold standard of college basketball. So something to keep an eye on. Trev, we appreciate you, my man. Thank you. I know you probably stayed a little longer than we originally no, thought. Good. We appreciate you, my man, and uh, we'll have you back on as the tournament progresses. And, uh, yeah, man, we appreciate you. Thank you for hopping on with us today. Great show. Thank you uh, for the time. Uh, 
great job uh, with Coach Davenport uh, and then the coach of Rice, whose name I missed because I couldn't coach get Para. the screen. Thank Para. you. Couldn't get the screen to load uh, right before I joined. So um, great job with those two guys. Great job with the show. Thank you for having me. And uh, I got to sign off with everything now. Enjoy the tournament. Appreciate it, <laughs> Trevor. Man. There you go, Trevor Everett from the Two Pointers Podcast. All right, let's start finishing this thing out, guys. Look, look back at the East real quick. There, there is kind of like the South. I think there's some sexy upsets here. What do you guys think about? I have Louisiana knocking out Tennessee. I just with no Zakai Ziegler, they struggle scoring the basketball. Louisiana. I talked to Phil's show last night. They have Jordan Brown, former McDonald's All American, six foot eleven. Played at uh, Nevada, played at Arizona last year. Now he's at Louisiana. Louisiana is big. I think they withstand Tennessee's physicality, score enough points. I think Louisiana as a 13 takes down Tennessee. What do you think about that upset? Other upsets, other first-round matchups? What do you guys think? I have Louisiana in that matchup as well um, for for the same reasons you just listed. Basically, Tennessee was already offensively challenged with Sakai Ziegler, and and those problems have only been magnified since he's been out. wouldn't be shocked if Tennessee has a, a hot shooting night that gets them through that game, but I just really think they're a vulnerable team overall. And, and you mentioned it, Louisiana has some talent as well. Um, I like FAU over Memphis, like pretty solidly. I, I honestly am not that worried about that matchup for FAU. I think that at times Memphis can be pretty sloppy, which plays right into FAU's hands. Um, unless Kendrick Davis, you know, goes off for 30 points or something, which he's absolutely capable of doing. <laughs> I think that they get through that matchup and I think that they could really give Purdue some issues for like 35 minutes, but I think ultimately Purdue's size would win out in that matchup. Um, Other than that, I mean, I'm in agreement with coach Davenport earlier that I really think this bracket plays out pretty well for Kentucky to make a run deep. I I like Kentucky in the way they match up against Kansas state. Um, I'm not sure I like how they match up with Marquette, but I think at that point it's kind of a toss up. Well, what do you think about the Providence matchup then real quick? Peyton, and we'll get to that. But what do you think about Providence? Because it's the Bryce Hopkins quote-unquote revenge game. And I'm of the belief we've seen revenge games before, and normally the player does not play great in that because he's forcing a lot. Providence will go and scoring goals of five, six, seven minutes at a time. And Ed Croswell is a big dude. He's what, like 6'8", 250. But the way they play matches up perfectly how Kentucky needs to play in a half-court, gritty, physical off or physical game. I think this is a good matchup for Kentucky. Yeah, I personally I, – I'm not worried about that matchup with Kentucky at all. And, Josh, I mentioned a point earlier on Trevor's podcast that I think you posted from the uh, ECB Twitter, which is that not only with the revenge game factor, but Jacob Toppins had the opportunity to guard yep. Bryce Hopkins in practice – and match up with them. I just think that that is an advantage for Kentucky more than it is for Providence. I don't think Providence has the guard play that Kentucky has. You know, Jared Bynum is capable of getting hot, but he's again, one of those guys we've talked about who just, when he's bad, he's really, really bad. And then I don't think that they have, you know, you mentioned Croswell size. I don't think he can handle, handle Oscar inside. So I think basically every matchup in this game favors Kentucky. I like Kentucky big in this one, like 20 points. And going back, they've got Noah Locke. Going back to his Florida career, he did not score well against Kentucky. I think his best game was like six points. He does not score well against the Cats. And, of course, they didn't play the year he is at Louisville last year. But I I just think this is a good matchup. I'm not saying Kentucky can't be beat because, obviously, Providence has shown they can when they're good, they can play and beat anybody. But I think this is a favorable matchup for the Cats. Peyton, Corey, real quick, your guys' thoughts on that matchup any of the other first round, kind of this region as a whole? 
I think Kentucky gets past Providence because I like Casey Wallace. When he's healthy, he's a stud. Uh, he's a lottery pick in this year's coming draft. Uh, big fan of him, and he's going to lock up Jared Bynum um, all night long. Bynum's going to have a difficult time scoring on him and getting by him, especially with his length and athleticism. Um, you mentioned Noah Locke. I'm glad you mentioned it because that was actually a point I was going to make. In his three years at Florida, uh, he did not play well, particularly against Kentucky. You mentioned, I think his best game was maybe like six points. And every single game, he's like 0-6 against Kentucky. And they play two times a year in three, the three years he's been there. And obviously, he didn't play last year against Louisville uh, when he was at Louisville. So, I think Kentucky wins that one, but I do think it's close. And you mentioned we mentioned it with Coach Davenport. There's not a more pressure coach in the country to win this first-round game than Coach Cal. And the fact that you got to play a Ed Cooley Providence team who's probably pissed off I think what we're on a three-game losing streak, and then you got the Bryce Hopkins storyline. He probably wants to get back at his old team. I think they keep it close. I'm sure it's probably gonna be low scoring, but I think Kentucky's guard plays too much. Providence is seven and eight in their last 15 games. Seven and eight down the stretch. So that's something to keep an eye on. Um, fellas, Corey, all of you guys, the way Duke's been playing, they may be an underseeded five seed right now, and they are dangerous. And we've talked about for a month and a half. Oral Roberts is an upset pick. Oral Roberts, or I think this is the one matchup that Oral Roberts could not have in this tournament. If you gave them as a 12 St. Mary's or you gave them some other five seed, I'm picking Oral Roberts all day long. But the way Duke is playing, guys, I have, just to jump ahead, I have Duke coming out of this region. And I didn't think I would say that not too long ago. But the way they're playing, they figured it out defensively. They are connected as a team. I think Duke comes out of this region, and I think that they're rolling right now. In the last uh, 10 years, five versus 12 matchups are 20, 21 and 19, and this is one that I absolutely do not see going in the, in the favor of a 12, the 12 seed. So I think Duke is just rolling at the right time. Uh, you know, that, like Coach uh, Davenport said, you know, they're, they're putting it together. They're starting to, you know, really figure it out. They showed it down the stretch, and they showed it in the, uh, the ACC tournament. I think this is the perfect time for them to make a run. I think they're a bad matchup to come through. And I think they, uh, I 100% can see exactly why you have them going forward to the uh, the Final Four. So, I think uh, I think this is their kind of their time to kind of keep rolling. Yeah, this might be one of my most exciting matchups in the first round to watch. Uh, I love Max Amos. Uh, hell of a player. You know, campaign over is great as well. Uh, they got talent. They can beat Duke. I just think the versatility of Duke's defense is going to be too much for them. And Tyus Proctor, love watching this kid play. Um, I think Duke squeaks one out and a very close one. Yeah, Josh, you mentioned it. I just think overall this matchup doesn't favor Oral, Oral Roberts, excuse me, in, in the way some of the 5-12 matchups could have, particularly Acemas. I think that Tyrese Proctor's length and just disruptiveness on the ball is going to give him a lot of problems. I don't think he's going to have the typical shooting night we see. Um, if Oral Roberts was playing almost anybody else, as you mentioned, I would probably be picking the upset. I think Connor Vanover being able to stretch the defense is a huge factor. I still think this one's probably close for a lot of the way. You guys mentioned I think it's going to be, you know, one of the better matchups of the first round. But I like Duke going to the Final Four out of this region as well, Josh. I mean, ultimately for me, it's less I think about liking Duke. It's just I don't think that there's a great team in this region. To me, this region there's is the not, weakest. There's yeah, there's not, and I don't trust Purdue. And um, how about this, fellas? This is the only region I don't have a top four seed making the Sweet 16. 
I have Purdue, the one seed, getting beat by Memphis. And I know you talked about FAU, and I completely agree. But you look at Memphis, this is like one of Penny's least um, controversial teams, and it might be his best team. You look at this team, they're battle-tested. They beat Houston, played them in an overtime game, and only got beat by a couple points. They went to Alabama earlier in the year and played a great game before Kendrick Davis went out late. Um, this Memphis team knows how to play. They're physical, and they've got an absolute stud. I think Memphis gets by, and I think Memphis has puts enough guard and ball pressure on Purdue to knock them out. I don't have Purdue getting past the first weekend. Then you look at uh, Marquette, the two seed. I have Michigan State beating Marquette. I, this is Tom Izzo's time of year. I think Joey Hauser, Tyson Walker and company, I think that as much as we love Marquette and Shaka Smart, I think schematically Izzo designed something up and they're able to pull um, Issa, or Iguodaro away from the rim with a guy like Joey Hauser, hit some threes. I think Michigan State moves on. I think Kentucky beats Kansas State. I think if they get by Providence, they'll get some momentum, beat Kansas State on Sunday, and then we already talked about Tennessee. I have the top four seeds out in the first weekend. The first weekend. Um, but ultimately, like I mentioned, I have Duke over Michigan State in the lead eight going to the final four. What do you guys think about that and your final four prediction out of this region? Josh, you meant, I think you mentioned it with UCLA, the UCLA versus uh, UNC Asheville game, about how if it's a close game, then normally the teams that are favored, they get kind of tight in, situa- in the close game situations. Well, Tennessee, Rick Barnes is kind of known to get tight and get timid in these kind of situations if those games are close. I do think they beat Louisiana, but I think in that game against Duke in the second round, Tennessee gets – Tennessee gets smashed. It I thought I had the clip out, but Tennessee gets smashed, and it's also a joke that they're a four seed because they ain't no damn four seed. Joke. So Tennessee gets beat by Duke in the second round. Duke beats Memphis in the Sweet 16. I think I love that Marquette uh, Michigan State matchup, the 2 7, but I think Possibly locks up Joey Hauser. Um, and I think Tyler Clark is. I've been saying all year long that Dwan Harris is the best point guard in the country, and I'm not going away from that. But Tyler Cohen's right there behind him. If he's if not, he's on the same playing field as Dewan Harris. Love that kid. That kid's a dude. And the fact that they won the Big East tournament, we've been talking all season long about how great they are offensively, defensively, and kind of eh. They won the Big East tournament off their defense. They locked, locked Xavier up in that uh Big East championship game. They won by like they was up like 30 points at one point. I think Marquette gets through this region. They beat uh, Duke in the lead eight and they go to the final four. I have Duke. I have Duke as I mentioned uh, going to the Final Four, but I have a matching up with Marquette in the Elite Eight. Um, I think Marquette takes down Kentucky in the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, I just think ultimately Marquette, you know, between Iguodaro and Tyler Kolick, they they have some talent to make a run here, but they're going to run into a Duke team who's playing their best defensive basketball over the past two months. Jeremy Roach has been the go-to scorer they kind of finally needed. Um, the big key for Duke is going to be Derek Lively staying out of foul trouble, though. I mean, if they find him in foul trouble, they they could go home in the first round, like we all mentioned. So I think Duke, while I like them to come out of this region, there's definitely like a volatility to them as well. And then Corey? Uh, you know, we talked or I kind of mentioned that Duke is rolling at the right time, but I think their, their role comes to an end when they go up against Marquette and the Elite Eight, and I think Marquette moves on to the Final Four. I think a, a one versus four, or a one through four, does make it through. Unfortunately, through your so, picks. Sorry, Josh. So, 
where do we all have Purdue? Because I it sounds like none of us trust Purdue, obviously. Where do we have Purdue? I have them second round going out. Yes, I have second them second round, round going against uh, Memphis. I have them going Stephen. down to Duke in the Sweet 16. I think ultimately the Duke, uh, it being a rematch, Duke will have a better game plan for uh, Zach Eady, and I, they're obviously playing better basketball right now as well. I think that's fair. Uh, Purdue fans, sorry, but uh, you just you can't handle wall pressure. Press Purdue and they turn it over. But Final Four in Houston, I've got one seeded Alabama playing five seeded Duke. Great contest. Duke absolutely takes them down to the wire. I got Alabama moving on. Then the other side of the bracket, it's a pair of two seeds. Texas UCLA, great guard play, physical game. I think Rodney Terry continues his hot streak to cement his place. In uh, or as the head coach of the Texas Longhorns, Texas beats UCLA national championship. Alabama has been my pick for months now. I'm not coming off of it after what I've seen in Nashville for the SEC tournament. Great game again. It's a football game, <laughs> but Alabama cuts the nets down for the first time ever. They've just got too much, I think. I know what Coach Davenport said, but I think they're too loaded and locked in. The Crimson Tide beat Texas in the national title game, 86-80. And I don't know how good I feel about that because the tournament throws curveballs all the time, but that's who I'm going with, Alabama over Texas. Bama is your national champions. So the last uh, last five years, the one seed's won it pretty much or every year, correct? Uh, I'd have to go back and look, but yeah, I think so. I was gonna say I looked at it today, and I believe it's. I know it's the last four. I thought it was the last five. So, uh, so I mean, your pick doesn't seem too too far off. But I think the uh, the streak is gonna come to an end this year. I think Arizona takes it. I think uh, I think they're gonna you know they have some bigs. They're gonna shoot it well. They're gonna have some guard play that comes along, and uh, I think they get it rolling and and they make the magic run here. I. Three of my four Final Four teams I'm pretty sad on in Bama, Marquette, and Kansas. That Miami one, if no Chad O'Meara, if he's not healthy, then I'm going to switch that. Um, I don't think they'll get to the Final Four, but if he's healthy, I think they will. Uh, I got Marquette taking down Alabama because if those whims are tight, especially in the Final Four, they probably are going to be tight. Um, and Alabama is so good, it was, relies so much on a three-point uh, shots that they can have a cold night, and I don't know if they can win the game in the 60s. Um, and I think Marquette's defensively, they've been playing a lot better. They won the Big East tournament off the defense. And I love Tyler Colick. Shaka Smart gets the job done. They beat Alabama, and Kansas beats Miami. And call me a homer. Don't care. Kansas goes back to back because I'm glad that um, – I'm glad that uh, what's it? Trevor Trevor uh, yeah, yeah tre I can't think of his name. Trevor mentioned earlier, pretty much the exact same position we were in last year. Kansas this year, third overall number one seed. Kansas last year, third overall number one seed. Last year, nobody was picking Kansas to win the title. They won to did it. This year, pretty much no one's picking outside of Trevor. No one I've heard that's picking Kansas to win the national title, and they might go on to do it in the toughest region. Go back to back. First team to do it since Florida. Kansas gets their fifth title, and they'll be tied with Indiana and Duke. One last thing real quick. Um, you're forgetting Alabama's got the third best defense in the country. Cause so if they have a bad shooting night, they can hang their hat on that. I think they suffocate Marquette in that game. So I have uh, Arizona and Duke on one side, and then I have Texas and UConn on the other side. And uh, in the first matchup, I just think that Arizona ultimately – 
again, just has so many different scoring options between Balo, Tabellis, Courtney Ramey, Kirk Risa, um, Pele Larson, Adama Ball. I mean, they, they go six or seven guys. I, I didn't even mention uh, Cedric Henderson. So, like, they have a lot of different guys who can score. I think that Duke defensively is a lot better, and this is the game where it might bite Arizona in the ass that they don't have that great defense. But I think Arizona wins a game in the mid-70s there. And then on the other side, I just like UConn. Again, there's just not so many teams that can't match up with that size. Texas is another one of them. Timmy Allen's a little bit undersized in the front court. Not a great defensive player as well. So I like UConn moving on there. And then in the finals, we have a matchup of probably the two best front courts in the nation. And I like Arizona's backcourt better in that matchup. Uh, Arizona's sort of been the team for me that I've been in love with since Maui. And uh, I think they get the job done. Tommy Lloyd gets his first title. I was going to say, uh, not too many teams you mentioned could match up with UConn's size. Well, Arizona can. <laughs> they can match up with them. Exactly. Uh, um, guys, this is the best show we do all year. I, we appreciate you guys for tuning in. If you listen to the traditional audio, if you watch us on the live stream, we appreciate you as well. Special shout out to our guest tonight, Coach Davenport from Bellarmine, Coach Para from Rice, our, our buddy Trevor from the Two Pointers podcast. We appreciate everybody. We are finally here. It has been months in the making. You heard it at the top of the show. Gives you goosebumps when you hear it. Things kick off officially. First round action Thursday afternoon with Maryland, West by God, Virginia. It is time for a three-week sprint to the home stretch of the college basketball season. The best time of year is here, ladies and gentlemen. Stay with ECB. We'll have you covered from wall to wall until the national champion is crowned in early April. But for wrapping up our tournament edition of the ECB podcast, for Phil, Peyton, and Corey, I'm Josh. We hope you guys enjoy this, and we will catch you once we're ready for the Sweet 16, baby. We'll see you guys down the road.